Hello, podcast listeners. Thanks so much for jumping into another episode of the Access Potential Podcast. You're here with John Marsh. And today I want to talk a little bit about this idea of communication. Communication. So this is something that's very, very important, uh, particularly for small business owners, people in service business. Obviously, you have the delivery of whatever it is that you're doing, but also your marketing as well. And so I want to dive into some thoughts around this. I've got seven point seven little thoughts I want to cover. And this was inspired from a recent conversation that I had uh, with a creator, DJ, and he's a business owner as well. And we kind of got stuck into this idea because he's about to create a podcast or he's creating a podcast, which is super exciting. And a lot of this stuff popped up. And I don't think I've spoken about this, uh, these areas in this way before. So hopefully this brings you some value. Uh, I do get asked about communication a lot and how do we work on it? How do we improve it? And so hopefully this helps. Let's get stuck in. Thanks for joining me. This is John Marsh. You're listening to the Access Potential Podcast. All right, so the way we're going to go on this episode is I'm just going to share some thoughts. Got a couple of points, a couple of bullet points, and I'll give a little bit of back round or behind the scenes on how I'm actually doing this as well because it's going to be relevant to the episode. So the way that I do these and this one in particular is uh, I've got some points that I want to cover and that's pretty much it. It's more or less a freestyle uh, besides these sort of areas of interest. So recently I did a podcast with a uh, a guy, Rod Cooper from the Movement Collective, and we talked about this concept of starting a podcast. And we worked through what's called a super niche framework. And the super niche framework was is a way to create or cultivate empathy for the people you want to work with to design something uh, for the people you know who you who you want to reach that has a chance of resonating. And this is an intentional thing so that we basically don't just put out dribble. Um, And we went through these steps. And this kind of stuff is really cool. It's helpful if you're creating something like a podcast for a group of people uh, or an audience. However, today I want to talk about some of these points uh, which are on kind of the other side of communication or could be a podcast, could be a blog, could be anything you're creating. But sort of a little bit less tangible um, because a lot of the questions that I get, I'm now seeing are coming back to some of these intangibles rather than the framework stuff. So I get asked a lot about this uh, and I want to just kind of cover them. Then if you have any questions, further questions on them, feel free to send me an email on it and uh, we can dive into those as well. So the first one I think is to... I just want to kind of cover this concept of communication. So, so we have a, a, a message that we want to get from person A to person B, and we use uh, a set of signals mutually agreed upon. So, you know, you have an understanding of what the words mean, and so do I. 
And so when I use the words, I can communicate the message, you know, and it's not just words. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but we have a mutual understanding of facial cues and posture and tone and emotion and all of these different things. So we can communicate in different ways, not just through the actual structure of language itself. However, that's that's definitely one part of it and it's definitely something we're going to talk about here. So communication really is relaying this message. And if we think about it, uh, there's a great book by one of the mentors that I look up to, Seth Godin, who's been on the podcast. He talks about uh, marketing in his book, This Is Marketing, and he, he proposes this idea that marketing is creating a change. So we're all in marketing. And to me, communication is effectively the ability to create change as well. And so, you know, I've often said that uh, marketing is communication. When people think about things like content creation or content marketing, content or the platforms that you use, social media, email, whatever it may be, are simply the vehicles, the carriers or the conduits for your communication or the change that you want to create. There's a great little line by a man. His name is Patrick Winston. He was a lecturer at MIT. And he says that your success in life will largely be determined by your ability to speak, your ability to write, and the quality of your ideas in that order so your ability to speak your ability to write and the quality of your ideas in that order which is super interesting because so many of us have come through this information age where we studied we worked we you know sat behind textbooks and exams and computer screens in order to understand or or create a sense of knowing around different you know, different ideas. So we, we've often put in this idea side first and, you know, he's obviously flipped at 180. So this ability to speak and this ability to write uh, and then the quality of the idea. So I think that's a great place to start. Communication is critical. If you're in small business, particularly service, like your ability to create change with me in your class and your session and the work that you do, uh, is super important. It's really powerful. It's something that I'll tell my friends about and they'll come and check out your space or check out your work and you can change the way that I feel through how you communicate. Moving on to number two, I want to talk a little bit about this uh, difference between speaking and writing and then between speaking and planned speaking. And what I'm going to say in this part is not an exact science as I mentioned, I've got a bullet point here. I just wanted to talk a little bit about this. So with planned speaking, you are trying to articulate an idea exactly, right? So you've got a specific message you want to share. Maybe you've got to do a talk at work, maybe go do a presentation and you've structured this idea and you've got this framework, you know, of what you're going to do, what stories you're going to tell, the flow of the pitch, the introduction, how you're going to bring us back to attention when we start to get bored. Maybe you're doing a slide deck as well. Maybe it's going alongside this. 
how you're going to run your staff meeting. So you've got this structure, you've got this plan, and you've got this presentation, right? Now, alongside this concept of plan speaking, think of like a TED talk, right? So you've got this 18-minute period that's structured. Now, alongside this structure, you've got this whole other consideration, which is how am I how am I relaying this info, right? It's no good to really get up there and read from a, a sheet of paper. I remember going back to university days and we had a lot of uh, international students, a lot of students who were uh, on exchange doing PhDs or just finishing off their degree with us. And when we got to our final year presentation, I remember a lot of these kids getting up to speak and it was very difficult. So what they would do is, uh, because English wasn't the first language, what they would do is often have it all written out and then read off of the, the script. And so what ends up happening then, of course, is we just have structure. We just have the structure of the language itself, but we don't have anything else. And so that's what we're talking about here. You've got the, the structural side, what you're going to say, the flow, and then you've got how am I saying it? You know, how how am I showing up? How am I on stage? How am I speaking this? What's coming through, uh, through me? And you know, so when when we think about this this concept, like a, a speech or a TED talk, for example, the art of the TED talk is not just the quality of the idea that's shared, but how the speaker can bring stories that resonate in, you know, how they can bring this in and make it seem more natural. Uh, un unplanned speaking, right? Now, now we're talking about more dialogue or conversation. And if you, if you have expertise in this area, in communications or in speaking or linguistics, uh, one, I'd love to have you on the podcast, so reach out. But Two, forgive me for making a lot of mistakes in this area. I'm basically just sharing some thoughts uh, in the moment. So unplanned speaking, you and I sit down side by side, shoulder to shoulder. We start to talk a little bit completely different, right? We have a, a fast paced change in flow and thinking. This gives a little bit more of a window into each other's narrative, right? A little bit more of an insight into the, the language in the mind and how we're looking at the world. You've got something to say to me, but it's coming out faster, right? It's quicker. The, the word usage might be a little bit different, a little more colloquial, uh, some slang coming in there. Now, the words and the phrases that you use in this little dialogue with me are bringing out are, are a little window into how you're thinking and vice versa. Uh, even with this, you know, there was a bullet point, but the words that I choose give you a little bit of an insight as to how I see the world, right? And these words come faster and I can try to keep a check on the words, but sooner or later, things are going to slip out, right? Things are going to come out. And that's great. That's cool. Now, it's interesting because in coaching, uh, when I work, when I sit with someone, a big part of it is to listen. You know, people often ask about coaching and coaching typically uh, is is less about, you know, advice. Hey, do this kind of thing. It's a lot about listening. 
and listening for what's coming up, listening to language, you know, um, hey, you said this, can we, can we slow down? You mentioned this, I'd like to come back to this. Can you tell me more about this and how you said this? These were the words that you used. Um, so when we hear, you know, for example, uh, a lot of negative words or, or limiting words, it can be a sign because it can tell us a little bit about the narrative and how we're looking at situations on average or on an ongoing basis. So the language that we use is really important. Uh, it can kind of expand our, our reality and what's going on, or it can contract us if we're using kind of small language or small words. And so we have those two different ways of thinking about speaking planned with the speeches, the TED Talks, and then the unplanned, the dialogue. Uh, with writing, we can have this two, these two different sides as well. Uh, however, usually it's a little bit different because we have you know, the, the, the possibility, the space, the window to kind of have a, a closed door situation. So we get to sit there and write, uh, think about what we're saying, the insight that we're trying to bring or the story we're trying to share or tell and, and, and sort of take it from there. Now we can, when we do that, we can bring a structure in place first. We can outline everything and create a plot or whatever, or we can start situationally and, and talk about the character. So I could sit and write a, a story about, you know, myself here sitting at the desk and I could just start explaining it, uh, you know, describe the situation, introduce the character, talk about the character a little bit more. However, overall, with when you write copy, you're behind closed doors, you have a chance to make sure it's complete, you can proof it, you can check it, and then you can bring it out. So a little bit different. Uh, now, I think the two are related. Uh, and, and that seems obvious, but I think it's kind of important. Um, one thing that I've noticed for myself is, you know, I've been doing this daily blog for uh, I don't know, 1,003 posts, something like that. A lot of posts, it's, you know, with an average, based on the average word length for the blog, I think it came to around 300,000 words, which is, I think that the first three books in the Harry Potter series, uh, the total of the first three books altogether was 290,000. So that was kind of interesting, although not particularly relevant. But from doing a lot of writing and previously being someone who doesn't write for didn't write very much at all, uh, especially since university, and that was just really, you know, more technical stuff. Uh, I've I've seen this interesting intersection between, and if we go back to Patrick Winston's idea around your ability to speak, your ability to write, and the quality of ideas, I've seen this intersection between speaking and writing. And I think what happens is as we practice writing or copy, we get to think about consciously the setup. We get to think about how we're using words to describe a situation, what kind of emotions those words evoke, and how we can use dialogue and how we can talk about what the character was saying. And so when we go to speak, we can recall this. And it's not a conscious recalling, but it's like, hey, you know, this was something I use in my writing. I can use this as I speak almost, almost uh, automatically or intuitively. It becomes part of 
part of the brain or part of how we think about language. And on the flip side, I think reading has a really important place, and we'll talk about that at the end. So when you want to share your story, you know, whether that's backstory or the, the work you're doing in your business or the change that you want to make, having this arsenal or having the ability or the, the uh, comfort or the willingness to, to use language written and spoken form, I think is really important. And I think the two help each other. So if you're doing a lot of writing or you feel more inclined to write, I think that will help you speaking and vice versa. Uh, that's my experience anyway. Uh, now, the really interesting thing before I move to the third point is when we think about that intersection, speaking, writing, and thinking, right? Uh, let's, let's extend that out. So think about that arc going out over thousands of hours. It's interesting, right? How does your writing influence your thinking? How does your speaking influence your writing? How does your speaking influence your thinking? And, you know, we talked before about this concept of dialogue and if the speaking brings up words, this fast-paced dialogue brings up words, you get some little insights into how my narrative is working just through listening to this. Uh, and so vice versa, if I bring a little conscious awareness to my speaking, to my writing, there's a feedback loop, right? So, uh, you know, obviously this, I would need to go deeper here to understand this more, but there's definitely an interesting area. Uh, the other side of this is as you train yourself to pull ideas, you train yourself to create ideas. So I needed an idea for the podcast because the podcast goes out, right? Or a blog post, you know, those, those blog posts don't write themselves. So there's you know, okay, a blog post is going out. Great. I need an idea. Okay. Well, I'm training myself to come up with ideas because I know that I need them. So your practice of speaking, your practice of writing definitely has an impact on the practice of, of thinking, uh, which sounds a little bit strange when you put it that way, but uh, I see them all as interrelated. I see them all as very important and I see them all as different forms of structure. And this, this language piece is a really interesting one because it can frame ideas. It can give us insights into the nature of the mind and it can be limiting as well. Uh, so although I think this stuff's really cool, I think having time away from language and away from the structure because words do position ideas or concepts or emotions so it does put it puts a limitation on something uh, which I think you know we want to explore the other side of that as well so the third point that I wanted to talk about is words okay use of words in episode 100 I had Seth Godin on and he is an impeccable use of language so he uses words very well, and he understands that the words that we choose evoke a particular emotion. Now, this I, th I think this I, I, I see this as being true myself. I think this is very important. The words we can't just willy nilly use words, uh, and at the same time, 
Stephen King talks about this concept of having a toolbox for your writing. And the toolbox has different layers in the toolbox. And on the top layer, uh, he's got, I believe it was vocab and grammar. So the words that you use and, you know, structure of sentences in terms of what's correct, what's incorrect. Further down in the toolbox, he has things like paragraph structure and sentence length and um, dialogue and these other tools. And so his idea is you basically carry this toolbox around. Now he says the important thing is not to make your vocab and your grammar really huge, really, really broad. Use what you've got. You know, we have enough in we have enough in that shelf already to tell amazing stories. Everybody has enough. And I know people who the English is not their first language and phenomenal storytellers and communicators. So <clears throat> I think the key thing here is with the range of words that you've got, Seth's practice is work on using those words effectively. So we don't need to go and create a whole bunch of new words or find a bunch of new words because it might feel better to do this in our communication. Uh, we just need to practice over time, years or thousands of repetitions, noticing what words evoke what emotions and you know maybe we choose them a little more consciously as we go. Uh, whether that's describing a situation, whether that's you know relaying a dialogue that happened, but I think the two takeaways there are words matter and the vocab that you've already got or the set of words that you've got is going to be enough for the change you want to make. So don't stress about having to get a whole bunch of new complicated words. Use what you've got and just be mindful or, or think of it as a fun practice of, hey, if I use different words at different times, I'm going to get a different uh, end result or evoke a different set of emotions. So... <clears throat> that was a cool one for me. Uh, you know, the, a similar concept of that is don't use a $10 word when a 10 cent word will work. What ends up happening is if you, now if your natural vocab has a bunch of $10 words and have a, a bunch of long winded words, great. If not, it's just going to come across as strange. It's just going to come across as strained and strange and kind of difficult to talk about. And I, I put up a little post about this. It ends up, when you listen back to that kind of language, it ends up feeling like you're, you know, walking uh, across a river and you're trying to step on these stones that are like a little bit too far apart and you're having to sort of waddle your way across and it sort of comes across a little bit staccato or a little bit chunked up like that uh, versus flowing. Number four, your communication is not just what you say, it's how you say it. Sounds really obvious, right? Like if I slow, if I slow the tone, if I slow the pace down and I lower the tone, it's a more trustworthy, calmer way to communicate. If I speed the pace up and increase the tone, it's a little bit more excitable, right? Not just that, we've got the posture, the physical posture. You know, this is an audio, but you could see how I'm sitting, how I'm holding myself, how I'm showing up, how I'm presenting, and really understand a lot of what I'm trying to say. In particular, you could understand 
what I'm trying to say or how I perceive the situation around me. And I think to me, this is all bundled up in communication. You know, they say up to 70% of the communication is nonverbal. The way I think about it, though, is really that no matter what you're saying or how you're communicating, your intent and your emotion comes through your work. So if your intent is off or if your emotion, you know, if you're if you're trying to communicate something and you're thinking, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do a good job. I'm not good enough at this. Um, I suck. You know, basically what happens is it doesn't matter what words come out of your mouth. We're going to pick up that emotion. Right. So we're going to pick it up. And uh, this is part of communication because communication is the transference of the message. Right. So all of this is intertwined. And to me, I see this stuff as more important than the range of the vocab. So how it's said to me is is very powerful. Number five, I want to talk a little bit about authenticity because it's a huge word. Uh, I've never talked about it. It's not something that I feel I'm any kind of expert in this area. Um, However, I do have a couple of thoughts on it and I believe it to be relevant to communication. You know, I think it's a big thing. Now, to me, authenticity is kind of showing up in a way that's consistent or consistently in line with your values. Okay, with your values, with your inner values that are dependent on your story, right? So it's not acting out in a way that's necessarily in line with your emotion in that moment. So, you know, I do this podcast. If I woke up tired and frustrated and over it and I come in to do the podcast my values around consistency and doing good work and doing my best uh, are still there, even if I'm tired. Now, it's important that I show up in line with my values, not that I just kind of dribble all over the podcast because that feels more authentic in the moment. So I think to me, authenticity has a little bit of a longer time frame on it. Uh, And it's not necessarily how we feel or our particular state in that very moment. Now, the ability to share how we feel and our state or to observe these things, is that important? For sure. Is it always going to come through the communication? I don't think necessarily. Uh, And... You know, I think your, I think your, how you speak, the words that you use, the way that you kind of talk, uh, is going to change in different situations, and I think that is in line with authenticity. Still, there's two reasons I think it'll change. One is because you're a slightly different person when you're in a slightly different situation, and some people may argue with this but if I get up on a TED talk, a TED stage to do a talk I'm probably going to be a slightly different person literally through a different experience still same story same value set uh, than I am as I record this episode F- quick example like I called my grandma the other week 
she lives in the States. She's 90, just had a birthday. And, um, and I speak slowly, you know, we, I spoke slowly. It would be, it would be silly of me to try to try to get as much information out or try to, you know, to speed things up because the situation in the moment called for a dialogue that was a little bit slower and a little bit more considered, a little bit more relaxed and a lot of listening. And so that's going to be different to how I speak on a podcast with especially one of these solo ones where there's no one else to banter with. It's, it's literally all me speaking. So the values are the same, do good work, you know, kindness, generosity, whatever your value set are, uh, value set is. However, I think um, being able to change the way that you're speaking is not necessarily, I, I think that's fine. It's going to change person to person, but I don't think it needs to be exactly the same in all situations. Uh, I, to me, that's not a sign of authenticity. That's just a choice. That's a different choice altogether. Uh, number six, your story is what matters. Okay, your story is what matters. In 2020, the information that you hold is not significant. Uh, Google holds more. Whatever in whatever whatever real industry you're in, we can find the information. However, your story is important. This is critical. As you deviate from your story, from who you are, you create inner conflict, right? As, as I, the speaker, if I deviate from my story of who I am, I create inner conflict. As I move back in line with my story or with who I really am, I create inner alignment. When I've got inner alignment, I have a sense of personal power. And you will feel this. If I have inner conflict, I have a lacking of personal power. And you will feel that. And either one could be loud. It could be quiet. It doesn't matter the content or the information that I'm sharing or, how, or what I'm trying to communicate. If, I'm, if I've deviated from my story, even if you know, you, you can fool us for five minutes over the year, you'll feel this inner conflict, which will create burnout. Uh, and so I think this is really important. And what, what I mean really by your story is, you, you know, who you are, your backstory, where you came from, what's true to you, not what you found on social media, not what the culture tells you. Uh, but what's really true to you. And when you step into that in your work, it's powerful. And when you step into that in your communications, it's powerful because it creates inner alignment and you, you hold personal power when you're in that place. I guess the practical on that is to practice and to understand and recognize I feel that we're all most likely slightly out of alignment we're all at a minimum slightly away from our story our true story and that's okay the quest over our life is to understand that 
and to understand who we are and the, the work that makes us proud and to continue to look for that. And we can enjoy this, this rediscovering, this finding versus uh, feel that we're there or that we've got it perfectly or any of these things. And I think this allows, th this in itself uh, relaxes the grip a little bit. And then when we look back, we can go, oh, okay, at this time, I can see that I, I, I seemed really powerful. I seemed in a lot of alignment. What was I doing here? What was I talking about? Who was, who was here before me back then? Or, hey, when, when I look back at this work that I did, it seemed to not resonate. It seemed really difficult and strained. And I remember being really tired how was I deviating from my true story in that situation? And we can gain some insights and it's pretty cool. Last one, wrap it up. You need to read. Okay. That's my belief. You know, I think if you want to communicate, you want to speak, you want to write, you want to do your marketing, uh, you need to, you need to read as well. And there's people who, you know, might counter this. I know Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, one of the best communicators I've ever seen, best storytellers, and he claims to never read. Um, and so I guess that can work. I think for some people that source of, of inspiration and input and learning can come from uh, other forms of interaction that are scaled. So a lot of interaction. I think if most of us Look, reflect kind of on our own situation we might find that we don't have that scale of interaction happening on a daily basis and so maybe for us it's 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 reading books i do know he also talks about reading comments so he reads probably books worth of comments from people now when i talk a little bit about or when i mention reading to me and this might be a little bit of a curveball for some people is i think I, for me, I found fiction is actually really helpful. Uh, everyone loves podcasts. Everybody loves, you know, nonfiction and self-development. Uh, the way I look at it is, you know, I spent 20 to 30 years uh, gaining hard knowledge and ideas, you know, engineering degrees and, and school and different, all these different things trying to, you know, getting good grades, results, 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 business, whatever it is. And this is, this is helpful. This is really valuable as a tool, set of tools or strategies or tactics. And I appreciate new ideas, but going forward, what I'm finding is that I also appreciate understanding how to tell stories that resonate better because the information is the commodity and that's easily accessible what's what's not a commodity is the ability to communicate powerfully and tell stories that matter or that resonate and i think this can come from fiction probably a little bit more easily uh the author is the intent is to tell a story the intent is to entertain whereas a lot of the non-fiction seems to be recycled content or similar types of content trying to help us improve ourselves and I think this is missing the mark in terms of teaching communication or, or nuances or ways of using language or words so if nonfiction draws a graph fiction paints a picture 
if nonfiction is like a spreadsheet, the fiction to me is a, a canvas with paint on it and, you know, evoking a different, a completely different kind of emotion, a completely different result in the brain and, and how I'm thinking. So that's my view on it. Uh, I think also you can watch the culture and sit there, you know, often in a cafe uh, or on a bench or something like that. I'll sit there and instead of going to your phone, you watch people and you can see how people are moving, how they're interacting. And uh, to me, this is kind of similar to to watching to reading fiction uh, fiction and stories because we get to see how the emotion is embodied and how it's moving through us and how the life is moving through each person and this helps us to understand how we can interact and how we can communicate more powerfully so that's it i just wanted to go through these I think the big takeaway or one of the big learning points with this stuff is yes, there's some, you know, there's some specific things you can do in here that help communication. And it's also, it's also a fairly, you know, lifelong complex kind of ecosystem that we just learn and we just, we just practice and we just do. Uh, at the end of the conversation that I had with my friend around the starting this podcast, I think the cool takeaway was realizing that he didn't need anything more. You know, he, he was in the perfect situation. He's a very talented guy, very generous guy, and he does great work and has for years. And uh, in and literally where he's at is it's a matter of starting. It's a matter of beginning the journey, kicking it off, and then that allows him to stay true to his story, be, be authentic with his values, um, practice his communication, think about the words that he's using but not get too caught up. Uh, and, you know, if he wants to, practice writing as well and reading and then bringing this all into his podcast and the work that he does. And that it doesn't go the other way. There's nothing we can read or write to understand how to do the podcast better or how to speak better. It's really just the practice of doing it. So that's it for today. The previous one that we've done on podcasting is around super niche and around understanding the people you want to work with. Wanted to talk a little bit about the other side of that. If you've got any questions on it, love your feedback as always. Uh, it's a great topic for discussion. Feel free to send them along, john at johntmarsh.com. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.